Luke chapter number 7, and let's go to verse number 18. I feel such a strong Holy Ghost in this place. And the disciples of John, this is John Baptist, showed him of all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? It's a sad question. And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues. Notice this, this language is important. This is what I'm preaching today. In that same hour of John's greatest question, in the same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, unto the two disciples of John's that came to him and asked those two questions. Art thou he that should come or look we for another? Jesus turned to them and he said, go your way and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended at me. This was one of the greatest hours of darkness, isolation, and question for John Baptist. He was not holding charge against God, for it was right after this that Jesus said, there's never been a greater man born to a woman than John. But what I want to preach to you today is that while John was in his darkest hour of question, God was still working. And I want to preach to you about what John couldn't see. What John couldn't see. You may be seated. John the Baptist is certainly one of the most intriguing characters of biblical history. John had a, a unique position in the kingdom of God in that he was born to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. John literally had one job in the earth, and that was... To tell men to repent because he that was coming after him was going to baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John loved Jesus so much. They were cousins, they were family, but they were also kingdom partners, warriors in the kingdom of God. John was a prophet that was prophesying of this man who is coming whose shoes he was not worthy to unlatch. What a powerful moment to be standing there at the bank of the river when John Baptist looks up in the distance and sees the Messiah coming his way. I can imagine the chills that went up and down the spine of men and women gathered there when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Could you imagine some historians believe that even Herod, the king, 
was standing there that day somewhere in the distance as John belted it out from his innermost man. Behold, the Lamb of God. Can I tell you, just as Herod saw it, and just as all that were gathered there that day saw it, there is coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm not worried about the future of the church. I'm not worried about the future of the kingdom of God. Everything is going to be all right because the whole world is going to see who the Lamb of God is. Now, the thing you'll notice about John Baptist as you study his life is that he was not weak in his approach to the kingdom. I mean, John spent three years in the wilderness and he came out with one message. It was a message of repentance. John was a firebrand preacher that came out without fear or favor of men. And he declared to them the ways of the Lord. He told the world, get yourself ready. Repent of your sins because the Messiah is coming. John would look at men in the eye that others would fear and be afraid to stand up to. And he would declare to them, you're as sinful as any of them. It's time to get your heart in order. You know what? Just forgive me if I sound like I'm a little over the top right now. But I've got a hard time believing that if the Lord sent a firebrand repentance preacher before his first coming, that he's coming back the second time for anything less. I don't believe that God is going to send a whole bunch of limp-wristed jellyback preachers in this last time generation that's going to be weak and feeble and say, oh, it's okay, Jesus loves you, just do what you want to do because when the Lord comes back, he's going to be blessed to bring you home. I believe that if we have ever needed preachers to stand in their pulpit in this hour and rightly declare the ways of the Lord, we need it right now. We need some men that will declare, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was not known for being controversial for the simple fact that with him there was no controversy. It is what it is. Some would have said, oh, what a controversial preacher. It wasn't controversial to him. He was sold out to it. He was born with a purpose and he knew what his purpose was. And when he saw Jesus there standing on the side of the river, his purpose became clear. He was pointing to the Messiah. He was forerunner of the Messiah. Now, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, sometime after baptizing Jesus, John was arrested. And they took him to a palace fortress at a place called Machaerus. It's near the Dead Sea in what we know now as modern Jordan, built by King Herod the Great. And the palace at the present time was occupied by his son and successor known as Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was in a unique dynamic because he was one of the kings of the earth. But he was living in a time where the king of kings was walking among him. It was a love-hate relationship with Antipas because he was the king and he felt like all honor and glory should come to him. But yet... This other king that was walking among him brought such order to the chaos of the kingdom. It was like he hated John and Jesus, but he loved John and Jesus. 
He had this relationship with John that was unique because really by all rights when John starts preaching of the royalty of the Messiah, Herod really should have just killed him then. But you know what? Herod did not kill John because he was preaching about another king. He didn't kill John because John was preaching about the Messiah. He killed John because we find out at the arrest of John... He was arrested by Herod Antipas and imprisoned because the preacher, John, had condemned the king's marriage to his wife that used to be married to his own brother. Don't miss what I'm telling you right here. The man was preaching about the sanctity of marriage and family values. The very thing that the spirit of the Antichrist is working to eliminate in the earth right now. John said, if that's your wife, stay with your wife. If you want to be holy, quit sleeping around. If you want to be holy, quit living in adultery. If you want to be holy, live right. The kings of the earth have never agreed with the philosophies of men of God that have bought into the scripture and said that you need to live right and you need to be holy. And so Herodias it is said that John stood up against them and she didn't like that because being married to Herod's brother, Philip, was a little bit different than it was being married to Herod. Because before she was the king's sister-in-law. But now she's the king's wife. Church, I want you to hear me when I tell you right now. That the resistance in this earth today. Will already have its job accomplished. If it can ever get the church to stop preaching the importance of family. That's why everything unnatural is being promoted as normal today. I've been preaching it for years, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I've been preaching it for years. I said, you watch these people, once they started allowing homosexual marriages, I said, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to start asking for the same rights as husband and wife. It's happening. It has happened. I then said... You just watch with all the perversion that's going on. I have said it openly in this pulpit and pulpits around the world. That in the United States of America, it won't be long until they start calling for the idea that pedophilia is just a sexual preference. Ain't nobody going to help me now because I'm talking about America. What I'm about to say to you, I don't want this to come across as rebellious. We have always told people, if you need to cover with a mask, we not only support you, we're behind you, whatever. It's no problem. There's never been pressure in this church to not or wear either way. But I'm, I'm telling you, you listen to what this preacher's telling you. I'm not here to argue about whether masks work or don't work. I'm saying to you, there is a very clear agenda that is in the masking of America. 
if, if you feel the mask helps, that's fine. I'm not against the mask. I'm against the mandate. And here's the reason why. There is, and I don't have time to go into all of this, but I want you to trust my heart as your pastor today. Wearing a mask is not the same thing as the mark of the beast. There's guys out there saying that, right? You take on the mask, you might as well take the mark. Well, whatever. They're, they're dealing with the spirit of the mandate. You know what? I've wore masks. I've had to wear, I don't like it. I've, I've been wearing them. I've had to wear them just to get my stinking hair cut. It's, it's part of this process. And until this sickness goes away, in Jesus' name, it's going to... But I, I'm, not, I'm not here today to call the bluff and say people are faking. I'm just telling you, if you've been sick, you know there ain't no bluffing in the sickness. It's, a, it's bad to the bone. It's nasty. But I am here today to expose and call out the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age wants to silence the voice of the righteous. Herodias said, I don't like what John has to say about our family. And so the answer was, just silence his voice. But what you don't understand is that after John's head is cut off, the next big public showdown that we see in the house of Herod Antipas is when the Messiah comes and stands before him. And when Jesus stands before Herod Antipas, Herod was excited about it. And he said, oh, I have so many questions to ask you. How many of you have read this before the crucifixion? Jesus comes and stands before Herod Antipas. And Herod says to him, I have so many questions for you. And the Bible said that Jesus answered him not a word. Here's what you need to know, Herod. That if you want to shut the mouth of God in your life, all you've got to do is silence the voice of the preacher. I say this with no disrespect today. If you've got to work with a mask, honey, keep your job and work with the mask. That's not what I'm saying. But I am exposing the satanic agenda that wants to close off the mouth of people in America and the righteousness of a nation. You understand me when I tell you that if I've got to pray with a mask on, I'll keep on praying. If you think this virus is going to shut down the end time church, you've lost your mind. You can't mask up a praying church. We may have to physically put one on, but I'm going to pray behind that mask. I'll pray every day and I'll pray with the doors open. I'm going to tear down every stronghold, every principality, every spirit of wickedness, every spirit of darkness. It will not prevail. And I came on this Sunday morning to chuck the cover off of every spirit of anxiety every spirit of darkness, every spirit of depression, I call you out in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and preach on this Sunday morning, and I'm telling you right now that the righteous are ripping off our mask, and I'm putting the mask on the spirit of darkness. I command every voice that has spoken your ear to be silenced in the name of Jesus.
Everybody's talking about we need to take America back, and I don't disagree. We do need to take America back. But you're not going to take America back by walking outside and saying, well, I, nope, I refuse to wear one. Well, I, you know, I don't like it. I hate it. My wife and I had to do business in Marion County this week. I've never been so thankful for Madison County. I mean, honest to God, I, I, I don't want anybody to feel like I'm debating this. There's, some, there's a lot of people posting on Facebook right now. I wonder if anybody has opinions on masks. <laughs> Please don't miss what pastor's saying today. I, I'm not against, I'm not against if, if, if you wear it. And man, especially if you're sick, do somebody a favor. Be a blessing to people. I mean, at that point, I don't care if it stops three micro spittles. Stop them. I went to Texas Roadhouse the other night, and I wasn't complaining about the plexiglass between me and the next table. I mean, I don't care. My steak was good. You know what I'm saying? So that's fine. But here's where I get real uncomfortable. I get real uncomfortable with people that just acquiesce to the language and say, this is the new normal. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is not the new normal. I saw some liberal professor this week saying, United States of America had better get used to it because for the next several years we're going to be a masked nation. I started binding that spirit in Jesus' name immediately. You know why? Because people are feeling anxiety and fear. I talked to a woman in line yesterday. She was so sweet, so precious. I was in Pendleton at a little place of business and got a bite to eat and this woman had a little girl this tall with her and mama was wearing a mask and the little girl was wearing a mask and I didn't know you know I mean you're almost kind of afraid to say anything to people especially if they're wearing one and you're not and it, you know I mean it's really a it's a source of contention right now and so the, the little girl and her came walking by and I just looked at her and smiled I said your little girl's a baby doll started talking to her so we have three daughters and started talking about how mean they were and all that stuff, you know. And the woman was so sweet, and she looked at me. You know, she looked at me. I couldn't see her smile or anything, but she was so sweet. I could tell her spirit. And she said, yeah. She said, she's, she's something else. We have another little baby, a little girl. She said, I'm just, trying to get, I'm just trying to get her used to wearing this thing. We're trying the mask thing today. And, and she was so discouraged. I could just feel it. She, we're, just, we're just trying. You know what? I've just discovered something, and if I hadn't preached anything good today, I'm fixing to preach real, real good right here. Y'all ready for good preaching? I mean real good preaching. We're not going to fix the issue talking to the Facebook God. You can be seated. It's like... People are talking about the Patriots have come alive. The Patriots are posting on Facebook. I want somebody that's going to live it. That when you walk outside your house, if you have to put on a mask, then you do. If you don't, you don't. I don't, I, I don't know how many times I say, I don't like it. But I, whether I have to wear one or don't, I'm not walking out in fear. I'm not. 
And I'm going to pray over your children and your babies that they're not going to feel fear when they have to go back to school for the first semester and wear a mask. You know what? They're going to live through this thing, and it's going to be all right. I speak the peace of God over your babies today in Jesus' name. But I tell you what's not going to happen. We're not going to raise the next generation of apostolic young people by telling them this is the way it's going to be. This is going to be the new normal. And we're going to have to deal with this virus forever. In the name of Jesus, we're not going to deal with it forever. Oh! Can I tell you right now that... that I'm going to preach it until this thing is driven into the ground. The spirit of this age right now is a lie. Period. The whole thing is a lie. It's deception however it can get it to you. It'll make you feel desperate about your situation like it's hopeless. It's a lie. It'll make a nation feel hopeless. It's a lie. I don't care what the devil tells you. There is more hope in this nation than anybody wants you to believe. But you're hearing it right here on this Sunday morning. Greater is he that's in you. My, my, my. But I'm about to make a really bold statement right here. And I realize I'm online, so just hang with me. I set you up on the tee. So now I'm going to take a swing at the ball. We keep talking about the spirit of the age. How the masks are silencing people and all that. I get it. I don't like it. I don't talk about it publicly a lot because I, I just don't like to talk about it. I hate it. I'm going to tell you all something right now. John Baptist looked King Herod Antipas in the face when he was trying to be masked, if you would. And he called out unrighteousness in the face of a man that had the power to let him live or let him die. And that is the very reason that some of us don't mind hiding behind our keyboard, but we sure won't be bold in public for Jesus. We'll share our scripture of the day. There's a, there's a man in this church today that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to embarrass, but he's got an amazing testimony. I've seen him walk miles and miles and miles with a cross on his back. Symbolic of carrying the cross, taking up the cross for Jesus and the price that Jesus paid for us. I'm not saying just by sticking a fish on your car that you're a martyr for Christ's sake. Don't get me wrong. But you understand me when I tell you today that a few months ago there was a preacher that was going through open hell. He was standing for truth and righteousness, would not close his church down. Nobody was getting sick, whatever. And he became the crucifixion of church groups all over the world. Like just people hammering this poor man of God to death. Just beating him till he was bloody. And I got on the phone with a preacher one day. who was saying, hey, can you believe this? Can you believe? Can you believe that so-and-so is doing this? Can you believe that so-and-so won't shut down? And without even thinking, I just opened my mouth. 
And that's usually kind of dangerous. But I said, you know what? The difference in him and all these other preachers that are running their mouth. I said, the primary difference is they didn't close their doors because they were afraid of a virus. They closed their doors because they were afraid people would treat them like they're treating him. Don't nobody run right now. The truth is, we're afraid of what the world is going to think of us if we openly live what we talk about in our little group. But I'm telling you right now that in the middle of a crazy, wild season, in a pandemic, I read this week really cool news for last week. That as of the present numbers in the United States of America right now, the present numbers we have right now of deaths and sicknesses, that technically this can no longer be considered a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Just keep on driving it back, Jesus. Just keep on driving it down, Jesus. Keep raising them up out of the bed, Jesus. Keep getting them off that life support, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anybody believe that before we get out of church today, there can be a report when we get out of here that brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, got a turnaround during church on Sunday morning. Woo, I feel something in that right there. Let me hurry. I'm here openly today to call out every spirit of a lie. Every spirit of deception, every spirit of wickedness that's trying to deceive the hearts of God's people. And I want to declare to you from a biblical principle today, and I refuse to leave this book, but I'm going to preach something to you that I feel like God has been dealing with me about. And I'm almost done because I know the hour's getting late. But John Baptist was a mighty man of God, a prophet, forerunner of Christ. We went through all that. We know that he was murdered by Herod and his men. But there was a small window of time that we don't know historically how long it took, how long he stayed. But we know that he was locked up in prison before his execution. Now I want to preach to you right now. While John the Baptist had a revelation that no other man in the world had of Jesus Christ, when he got isolated and alone, he started questioning the thing that he loved the most. We are experiencing isolation at its finest right now. We went through 53 days of no church here, 45 days nationally. Some people continued. I know in other states, even around here, people were on lockdown a little longer than we were. And now that that part was over, they're threatening lockdowns again. They're threatening shutdowns again. And people that are getting sick are told, stay home. And you should. You should. If you're sick, stay home. But when you get by yourself, you just listen to what I'm telling you. The enemy wants to keep us apart. Because if you get by yourself and you're an island to yourself, he'll start making you question what you believed in the most. And John pulled two of his disciples up close to him. 
And he asked them two questions about Jesus in a place of isolation where I'm certain he was afraid because Herod had the power to let him live or to let him die. And he asked the two questions. Art thou he who should come or should we look for another? Isolation causes feelings that don't really exist to come forward in your mind. Isolation makes you believe a lie because you can't see outside of your prison cell. John was as aware as anybody in the world that Jesus had all power in heaven and in earth. John was as aware as anybody in the world that Jesus was the miracle worker that had come down from above. But when he got by himself, he asked the question, are you he who should come or should we look for another? You listen to what I'm telling you. The prison of isolation will bring you to a place where you don't see him like you used to see him and you think because there's not a miracle in your jail cell that he's just quit working miracles but what John could not see in his fleeting moments of depression and his darkness and his isolation is that just because God hasn't given you an answer doesn't mean that he stopped His disciples went to Jesus and asked him the two questions. And Jesus turned around to them and said, You go back and tell John the things that you have seen and that you have heard. John didn't see them and John couldn't hear them. But you go tell John that just because you haven't got your answer, I'm still giving answers. You go tell John. He may feel isolated and he may feel abandoned, but the blind man just got a revelation. The deaf man just got a revelation. The lame man is now walking. If we're not careful, we'll get ourselves isolated and separated. And we'll believe that the only reality of everywhere is the reality that's in our jail cell. But what John did not know is he was only a few short breaths away from stepping into eternity because he had finished his course and kept the faith. And Jesus sent those disciples back and said, you tell John, do not be offended because offense precedes deception. And I want to be sure that John knows before he finishes his course, I kept the faith and I kept on believing even when the evidence wasn't in my jail cell I know he's still a healer when he didn't heal my body I've come to preach to you this morning and I'm almost finished but I've come to preach to you today That sometimes your present reality, you need to understand, is not everybody's reality. I've prayed for people through the years and believed God could heal them. Felt the touch of God when I prayed for them. And God did not heal those people that I wanted him to heal. And it's awful, crazy, and tormenting on your mind when you've prayed the prayer of faith. And you believe God with every ounce of faith that you had. But the healing didn't come. So I'm rising up on Sunday morning to tell you that if I never see him heal again just because I can't see it doesn't mean he can't still do it 
My heart has been broken in a thousand pieces by the losses that we have experienced in our family and in this church and in this precious family of believers. But you hear me when I tell you, he's still healing cancer. He's still opening blinded eyes. What John could not see is that he had never lost his power. He was coming to a transition and his time was not yet, but he's still the miracle working God. The other night I was so sick and I was by myself. My wife and I even isolated from one another at home when I got sick because I didn't know what I had. I didn't go get tested or anything like that. I, was, I just I talked, uh, did a phone consultation with medical professionals and just did what they asked me to do. I stayed at home, but I was laying in my bed. And I'm telling you, I was sick. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't find rest. And Bishop, I've read many times the Word of God on my phone and my iPad. But I didn't reach for my iPad. I reached over and got that Bible that lays on my nightstand. I picked it up and put it in my bosom. I sucked that thing up close to me. And I laid there with that Bible rolling in my bed. I said, God, I'm so sick. But your word says that with your stripes. Oh, I feel something moving in here right now. Woo! Oh. I picked up that Bible and held it to my chest. And I said, Lord, this weapon of infirmity has been formed against me. But your word says it will not prosper. I'm reaching for somebody this morning to tell you that just because you don't have evidence in your jail cell doesn't mean that he's quit working. You may feel like you're in confinement right now. You may feel like you're in a different season. That you have cried out to God and he hasn't answered. But don't you believe the lie. Because that's exactly what it is. The spirit of the age is a lie. That just because he hasn't answered you. It doesn't mean he's run out of answers. And just because he hasn't healed you yet. Doesn't mean that he's quit healing. I'm speaking to somebody in this house today. That has been living by fear. Because you are afraid of your circumstances. Somebody in this house. You hear me right now. I'm going to prophesy in Jesus name somebody has let the fear of death grip you so deeply over the last couple of weeks that you have been intimidated to walk outside your house I prophesy this in the name of Jesus there is a captivating spirit of fear that has caused you to believe more in the power of death than you do in the power of life and in the name of Jesus I release in this house right now the divine presence of almighty God and I pray that
that ministering spirits of angels right now would begin to walk up and down the aisle. You spirit of death, I command you to be silenced. You spirit and voice of suicide, I command you to shut your mouth and be bound up in the name of Jesus. I release healing. I release power. I release authority. You may not see the answer, but he still answers. Stand with me right now. I don't even have to give an altar call this morning. I'm just telling you what I know. That when I came in this house yesterday, in the mid-afternoon season of prayer, I felt a shift in the spirit that I have not felt in months. And I'm just going to tell you in short version because I'm through preaching. But I'm going to tell you what I felt yesterday. And it was confirmed to me last night at the midnight hour. But there is a dynamic shift that took place in the spirit yesterday. You hear me when I tell you. That just as Daniel, his answer was withheld for 21 days. Daniel did not feel like the answer was coming. And it's because there was interference in the glory world. In the second dimension. But on that 21st day, the angel of the Lord came to Daniel. And said, the Lord heard you 21 days ago. And he sent Michael to withhold the prince of Persia. Yesterday while I was in here praying, I was standing right Right there by where Shiloh is and I looked up into the heavens and I saw the transfer I began to see the powers of darkness as they started stepping back because reinforcements from heaven had come I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus on this Sunday morning there is a shift in the atmosphere there is a shift in the air right now there is a shift in the spirit world the Holy Ghost is about to take over and God's about to do a work I saw as it were good against evil angels of darkness and the angels of the Lord and I saw the tussling going back and forth every time somebody would pray that angel would push back against the darkness but whenever the children of God got tired that angel would stand back up that demonic power but all of a sudden I saw light come on across this nation it was the prayers of the saints it was the hope of the church and out of the out of nowhere out of the blackness of the night I saw the angels of the Lord come and begin to drive back those spirits and I'm declaring over Anderson, Indiana today. You have lost the battle. We will win the war. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. I'm asking somebody today that's all too familiar with what I'm preaching right now to step out and declare your victory right now. I declare over those of you today that have been fighting anxieties and depression and darkness. You may not be able to see it from your jail cell right now, but he's working. Ha <laughs> ha.